Welcome to the Sports Loft Podcast. My name is Yanni Andriopoulos, and I'm very pleased to have you with us. Today, we'll be speaking to the founder and CEO of Fivo, a company doing great things in the world of sports and technology. And Ari is here to talk to us about the company, how they've dealt with the lockdown during COVID-19, and what they're looking forward to coming out of it. Ari, welcome to the Sports Loft Podcast. Hey, Yanni. How are you, man? Good to see you. Very well. Very well, thank you. So let's start with a bit of background on Fivo as a company and uh, start with why Fivo? Why the name? Uh, funny enough, the name, um, I like to curse a lot, so I just wanted a four-letter word that starts with F, apparently. <laughs> um, all kidding aside, I, I wanted a agnostic name that I could build any brand around, but the core mission of Fivo is pretty simple. We augment or totally replace the cart in any digital experience so that you can buy with your friends, split payment, and share your purchase with the people you love the most, period. And I thought, I didn't want to make it sound like a group this or a group that or a social this or social that. I said, let me just find a simple word and we'll build our brand and proposition around that. Great. So um, give us a, in a nutshell, a little bit more detailed what you guys do beyond expanding the cart and what the value proposition is to, uh, to rights holders. Yeah, I mean, the, the core concept is if you think about just live events initially, that was our the first sector that we penetrated. They're inherently social, and and the you, you know this. We all go to you know live events together. We all buy tickets for our friends to go to these events together. But there's a lot of pain and friction in that. I mean, imagine if I wanted to get you, Charlie, and Colin and Josh on my side to go to, to an event, and email you, text you, you know who's in, who's not. You want to bring your significant other. By the time I even go through that whole process, what happens? I'm stuck going into the transaction flow putting all your items into my cart, paying for you. And even though as much as I love you, it's kind of a painful experience, right? And I'm still not done. Now I got to hunt you down to Venmo me back or it's some level of quid pro quo where you, you've got the, the Uber rides and Charlie's got the dinner and I'll get the tickets. Uh, and if you think about that, when you have some level of um, disposable income, it's okay. But if you're a 25-year-old or 26-year-old, straight out of college, you've got student loans, buying six, seven, eight tickets for your friends becomes pretty cost prohibitive. So our idea was, how do I shatter that? And then for people who are a little bit more affluent, uh, maybe I don't want to just go with five people. Uh, with Fivo, Yanni, you can now go on to invite two or three people whom I don't even know. Charlie can invite a few people, Josh Rose, Colin, people on my side can. And all of a sudden, you get this multi-layered sort of social experience going where five of us turns into 15. So for the consumer, you remove all the pain. And for the rights holder, you increase sales You know, anywhere from, and we'll show you real data, 40% to 400%. Like The group of five goes to 15 now. It goes to 30. It goes to 40, naturally and organically. And that's, that's the core value prop with Vivo. And, and honestly, pre-COVID, we were skyrocketing as a business. We were about to do, I think we're only three and a half years old now, about a quarter billion dollars of sales this year, you know, a hundred, a hundred million last year, nearly. Um, so it's been uh, interesting, but we're still bullish and optimistic about the future. I can, I can imagine. And that's exactly what we're here to talk about. So you're the founder and CEO. Give me a flavor of what you do on a day-to-day -day basis in the normal world, pre-COVID. Um, I spend my day really thinking about three years out, you know, and finding the right talent, honestly, to get us to three years out, five years out, 10 years out. And 
when you find that right talent, people like we have internally at FIVA, like Josh Rose, whom you know, and Colin Casey, uh, and Hamantra, CFO, and, and so forth, those guys really I delegate the day-to-day to. Um, they're very good at what they do. And my number one job is, is set the vision. Number two is find the right talent. Number three, get the hell out of their way. Now is probably a great opportunity for um, a lot of organizations, including startups like your own, to look forward three years and try to imagine what the world will look like once we come back from this. Um, and you probably have leaned into this the most because Fivo is essentially a business based on uh, shared experiences and something that is so important to millennials and not just millennials, sort of a transitioning lifestyle and life agenda for a lot of us. What are you seeing three years down the line? And most importantly, what are you doing now to prepare for the comeback and then the time beyond that? Yeah, candidly, I'll take a step back. About a year ago, we actually, pre-COVID, obviously nobody knew this was on the horizon. Um, We were thinking, like live events, we didn't come into the business saying, we're going to be a ticketing augmenter or a ticketing company. That's not our mission. Our entire sort of focus has been, how do I get, Yanni to be able to purchase with the people he loves the most. And, and actually that even boils down to like a skincare product that might work really well for you. Hey, you know, this cleared up some blemishes and what, what do you do today? You actually will get on message and you will text out to somebody that you found a product that works for you. A year ago, we said to ourselves, we want to prove out that this social um, layering, as we call it, this mobilizing of others works in a in a industry that's inherently social. Now let's move into other sectors where you just want to share things with the people you love. So a, a year ago, we started thinking about how do we become a perfect complement to Instagram shopping. So Instagram, I think, is going to be massive, massive um, uh, net beneficiary of social commerce. Obviously. Lots of native-born digital brands are going to build an entire new audience on that platform. And our vision was, how do we complement and book in that? So you find a product on Instagram, you purchase through Instagram, and now that brand has you in their database. Next time they do outreach directly to you and they send you back to their, to their native site, and that's where Fivo lives. So we've always said to ourselves, a year out, two, three years out, how do we take this social graph? that we proved in live events and actually apply it to other sectors. So we actually started a Shopify integration months ago, right? And uh, we're in even live events, we're helping our partners move their merch, their parking, mm-hmm. things that aren't inherently actually social, right? And, and we've seen massive lift and uptick uh, when, when partners have used the platform for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a step back looking even like a year out. To answer your question about now, I actually think there's gonna be massive change in consumer routines and habits. I mean, look, any brand that's hostage to the mall, as I like to say, like if you built your business around foot traffic in a mall, I think you're dead. I think your your brand is finished. And in the US, we can name them. It's, it's the gaps of the world. It's the banana republics of the world. Um, and Taylor's, the ones who really relied on footprint. Uh, the ones who saw digital for what it was, uh, a year or two ago and have really strong brands will survive. And I think that's where we want to play is how do we help them uh, get more traffic digitally and turn their one conversion into 10 and turn that 10 into 100. And that's fundamentally how we see the, the, the world, right? Um, 
the flip side of that is obviously, look, I, I won't uh, gloss over this. This is a humanitarian crisis of global proportion, right? Um, let's not discount. There are real people suffering. Health, uh, deaths in the family, um, job loss. There's going to be a reckoning here where the consumer doesn't just bounce back. And you really have to prepare for that and be empathetic. You, you have to. One, for your core business and how does it survive, but also like, you know, let's not just think about how do we get people to buy more stuff. Let's think about how we can help them. What do you see as the uh, key elements of either social or business interactions that will change or will hopefully change going forward from here in terms of how people treat each other, how businesses treat their clients, which is something that you just alluded to, uh, which we're seeing a lot of data and a lot of studies right now talking mm -hmm. about when we come out of this, the brands that are going to survive and the brands that are really going to do well are the ones that have invested before and during this crisis in treating their customers the right way, doing things the right way. Look, I'll give you real examples. Um, we didn't wait for our partners to say, it's okay to refund consumers, for example. I said, consumers who purchase through FIVO for future events that are either delayed or potentially canceled, if they want a refund, we're refunding them, even if FIVO takes the hit. Uh, to me, the idea was how do I how do we re uh, maintain brand integrity and human integrity? By the way, you've given us your money for something that that we're supposed to deliver for you, and and that might not happen. Here's your money back. We didn't wait for our partners to first pay us back, and then we pay the, the consumer. Uh, that's number one. Then we went to our partners and we said, look, you don't. There's no rush to pay us. Uh, obviously, like any company, we've got to preserve cash, but. Um, Empathy. You have to empath empathize with all of the parties. And I just hope that that actually continues out of this, right? It's like, how do you empathize with people who say, look, I'm afraid to travel for work because I don't want to catch it because I have an elderly parent at home that I take care of. Well, let that person stay home, right? And and, and don't say, well, you're not doing your job. You're, you're out of here. Those are the mind shifts that, that have to take place fundamentally. You touched on this a little bit, um, but, you know, coming back to the challenges that you're facing, obviously those transactions have dried up. Um, and obviously that's how the revenue is generated for FIVO and FIVO's partners. Um, so taking what you described about what you do on a day-to-day -day basis in regular time, how has that role changed and what has what do you worry about at night now compared to what you would worry about in previous times? Yeah, you know, the going back to early March when we saw this coming, um, I mean, look, we had our finger on the pulse. We've got a European operation. Uh, we've got about 25 uh, people in Europe. Uh, we spent a lot of time in Asia with different partners. Um, we started preparing for this back in late February, honestly. So by the time Italy went into lockdown, we actually put a plan together uh, almost immediately. Number one, we grounded all of our employees, like traveling, uh, it's not worth it. Um, you know, call up the partners and say, we love you, but uh, you know, um, who knows who wants to get sick. Fortunately, not a single FIBO employee has, has caught COVID, which we're uh, number one product. Yeah, knock on wood. Number two, we shut the office down immediately, like, hey, don't come to work, sit at home. Uh, you know, we're historically a, a geographically dispersed company, so we're used to telecommuting mm -hmm. sense. So that worked in our favor. Uh, and then number three, obviously we had to go into cash preservation mode, right? We're, we're a startup, we're, we're, we're venture backed. Uh, we have to be good stewards of people's capital. 
Um, and so, you know, of our 120 people, candidly, we had about 20 layoffs. So we've got uh, 100 people in the company now. 30 are on furlough. Like, so I wake up every day thinking about those, those 30 to 50 people and how do I get them back here? Mm-hmm. And, and every day I write a note to, to everybody in the company, furloughed and, and, and laid off, saying that my number one mission is to figure out over the next 30, 60, 120, 360 days, how do we ramp our business back up and, and how do we get people back into the, into the fold, period. That's number one mission. That's fantastic. So it's become a role very much of a communicator and trying to pull people together to make sure that everybody is ready to hit the ground running and hopefully come back once uh, once the world becomes a better place. Yeah. And, and look, I'm not trying to sound altruistic. This is selfish motivation. What is an organi- organization? It is uh, your people and your culture, right? And without one or both of those, you don't have a company. But every day, it's literally about how do I start thinking about um, identifying opportunities outside of the live events business? Uh, And we have. We leveraged our platform to move 600,000 surgical face masks uh, to consumers over the last two weeks. Think about that, right? And we actually only shared the offer with 11 people. 11 people sold 600,000 masks to their friends and their friends' friends and so forth and so forth. So we're starting to think about like, one, uh, how do we help society? Two, how do we at least put some points up on the board to show that Vivo is more than live events to potential investors, uh, to to our core people, to give them like some level of optimism that particular sectors are going to get hit hard. But if you can become multi-category, if you can become helpful, if you can provide a service, stuff they teach you in business school, right? Then you have a good shot of actually surviving and thriving. Mm-hmm. And look, innovation is born out of human hope and optimism, right? And, and that's fundamentally what we say every day. It's like, keep hope alive, be optimistic, we'll innovate the hell out of this. And, and just, it's a matter of, you know, when, not if. So. so how do you keep those big brains who are kind of applying the existing technology to new stuff like the face masks, like new industries, how do you keep them engaged and motivated during this period? I mean, that's a great story, right? Whoever managed to do the transition is obviously uh, doing, doing a great job. But before you get to that point, how do you see that opportunity? How do you drive it? And how do you bring the, the, the team along with you? Well, it's funny. The, the question is actually the, the answer. Um, I said to myself, how do I keep everybody motivated to innovate? And so the idea was like, how can I actually shake, sorry to curse on your program, shake Please. shit up um, and say to, to, to our team, like, we can do other things, right? And in fact, I'm going to throw the whole company in a sense into an innovation deep end and let's see if we swim or sink, right? Um the mass stuff I pulled out of thin air and I said, look, people need masks. Uh, let's go source it. Uh, we found a great source. Let's not price gouge. Let's actually um, sell them at, at or near cost um, and actually do some good. The point isn't to actually you know, get some gross margin or some profit out of that. The point was we're more than what you think we are. You're stronger than what you think you are. And, and, uh, Look, when, when people wake up every morning, like, oh, man, I got to now go, you know, switch from, you know, trying to move uh, tickets and be perfectly integrated with Ticketmaster's back end and make sure data is flowing into, oh, crap, now I'm in the consumer healthcare business. Like, people show themselves for what they are, which is 
stronger, wiser, more sophisticated than they even thought they were themselves. So. Fantastic. So what's next? Ah, the good, the, the big question. Right now, we're um, we split our core team up into two buckets. One, we're going to continue innovating and building features and products for our core live events business. Right. Um, I have never been more bullish on that coming back in an aggressive way once there's treatments and vaccines in place. Because look, sports, uh, premium, you know, festivals and concerts. That's core to who we are as 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 people. I'm less bullish on um, uh, smaller events. Maybe like good community events will have a, a good run, but like if you're a soft brand um, in the live event space, I don't see necessarily people wanting to risk themselves for mediocre experience. And I think a lot of the ticketing companies, the smaller ones who support those smaller types of events, the, the mom and pop types of events are gonna really struggle. So one bucket of FIBO is fully focused on uh, getting deeper integration and ties with our biggest partners, right? Our biggest ticketing partners. How do we support them? And how do we support the mutual uh, partners that we have on the platforms together? The, the Los Angeles Dodgers of the world, the New York Yankees of the world, the, the Bonnaroo festivals of, of the world. Um, and then the other uh, part of our team is focused on innovation, our innovation lane, which is our Shopify integration. How do we move into brand new categories, uh, health and beauty, apparel, merchandise, outside of the core live events business? So of our 50 or so product and engineering people, it's split 50-50 right now, 50% uh, on each bucket. Um, and the idea is let's make our core segment a lot stronger and be a much better partner when live event industry comes back online and be helpful. And in the meantime, look, let's be honest, this moratorium on live events gives us a little bit of breathing room to think about, you know, three, five years out and do we, how we become bigger than our core business. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's been a nice little respite because it's given, we were so aggressively chasing growth. Uh, so much of our time and energy was spent on supporting revenue generating activities, customer support, client support. We were able to sort of transition and morph that into, okay, take a step back. That part of the business is idle. Why don't we leverage that capacity to move into new lanes? And, and that's what we've done. Well, listen, this has been fascinating. Uh, really, really wonderful to hear your uh, your take and uh, and ideas on it. Uh, anything that you want to add in closing? No, just uh, Yanni, be safe. Uh, I can't wait to actually reach out and shake your hand or fist bump you in person someday, man. Uh, but but be safe, and, and I hope to see you soon in person. Okay. Very much looking forward to it. Thanks for being uh, part of the Sports Loft member series and all the best. We look forward to checking in with you in a couple of weeks. Perfect. Thanks, Yanni. Thank you for joining the Sports Loft podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you'd like some more, please click subscribe and follow us for the next one.